Hello. Welcome to the OMR podcast. This week we have Casey Neistat on the show and Casey came over for our festival, for the OMR festival beginning of March. And since there was so much going on during the festival, um, I didn't even have the time to sit down with Casey for 45 or 30 minutes, um, which is very unfortunate. The only thing that is really good about this is that it gave us the chance to ask somebody to fill in for me who really knows everything about Casey, who loves, researches, analyzes, does entrepreneurial things around YouTube for years and is a good friend of the OMR family. Our friend uh, Christoph Bursek, um talked to Casey And um, I think what they did is very worth listening and a lot of fun and hopefully very insightful for you. Enjoy. Casey, thank you so much for, for coming over. I think you literally landed only a couple of hours ago and you already had some schedule before this podcast. So thanks for taking the time and welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Right, so a lot of the people that listen to this pod podcast, they, they will know you. But for the rest of them who don't know who you are, How would you describe what you do to a person who has never heard of you before? Sure. So I, I mean, I'm primarily known for the work that I do on YouTube. Um, but in addition to being a, a prolific user of YouTube, I'm also a technology entrepreneur. And um, my background is in the more traditional facets of filmmaking. So feature films and TV shows and things like that. Anything we've heard about of the traditional uh, movies? I mean, my, I had a television show on HBO that I right. wrote and starred in and called The Nice Step Brothers in 2010. How did it come to that? Um, how did I get? How did that happen? Yeah, how, how do people approach you and say, we'll do it? It doesn't happen like that. Oh, man. Okay. Um, no, the HBO show was... Uh, was deficit funded. So it means we we sort of paid for it ourselves and we just made this thing that we didn't even know was a television show um, and worked on just making short films for about a year and, and then combining all of them into something that felt like these little 30-minute pods of short movies and called that a TV show. And we showed it to some people and one of the one of the parties we showed it to was HBO and they loved it and they bought it and they... They showed it on HBO as an MT as a uh, an HBO original series. HBO original series. Yeah. But the huge growth and your huge popularity started a little bit later. You opened your own YouTube channel in about when was that? Yeah, I mean, my YouTube channel I, I started I think in 2010, but it, the explosion didn't happen until I shifted from sort of posting monthly or bi-monthly. Um, to posting every single day. That's when there was real real exponential growth in, in the reach of the channel. Do you remember how long it took you for the first 500K subscribers? Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's interesting because, it, yeah, it took five years for the first half a million or 400,000 subscribers. Five years? Five years. Wow. But in those five years, it was not an unsuccessful channel. In those five years, I had huge viral hits, viral hits that were 10, 20 million view videos, um, and not just one of them. I was having those in, in success. I had a couple of really big videos on there. I had a number of other videos that picked up a lot of traction in like the, the sort of more traditional news outlets, picked up and ran with them because they were about topical subjects. So One of them was, uh, was of course, the fa uh, famous bike lane video. Yeah, so bike lanes did you know fifteen plus million views and was talked about globally in the news. So I, I bring all this up just to underscore that it was it was a successful YouTube channel even before I started vlogging. But even so, it took five years. Even with wow. despite that success, it still took five years before 
uh, five years to earn a half a million subscribers. And then when I shifted from uh, that content to daily content in the next year, it it grew five million subscribers. So I think that that speaks more to the way uh, consumer behavior on YouTube than it does to the, necessarily the quality of the content. So in that in that time in this in this five years, was there any time where you said, "Oh man, I need like a three year roadmap because I need to grow this thing," or were you just going with your flow and your creativity? No, I mean my my business model prior to starting my tech company, prior to the vlog, was I would and your and your tech company. Uh, is a social network called Beam, right? Yes. And uh, actually, I think one year ago or so, I read that people ask you, hey, you are that Beam entrepreneur, and Beam is about sharing videos without being selfie-centered, right? Like, That's correct, yeah. Okay. And so one year ago, I think someone asked you, um, does vlogging help you or hurt you? And you said, well, you have to ask me again in one year. Yeah, so here I am. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that... Um, I think you learn a lot about yourself. So my daily show on YouTube, the the vlog was a, a seven day a week, um, 365 day a year kind of reality show about my life and things I'm interested in and what I'm up to. Um, sometimes it was really hyper autobiographical. Literally, this is what my day looks like. And other times it would dive into more specific subject matter. But it was always, you know, who I am as a, a, an actual person was always at the core of it. And um, there was no production team behind that. It was just me doing every facet of that that daily show. So when you sit down every day to re-examine what you did that day on camera, you learn a lot about who you are. So you were literally filming through the day, and then at night when your family went to sleep, you started watching the material and cutting and uploading to YouTube. Uh, yeah, usually that's how it worked. Um, did you have any 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 role models? Like, has has anyone done this this? At one point, you said you wanted to train your creativity or you want to force your creativity, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I'm not sure how I said that. But what I, what okay. I meant by that is by giving myself a, a deadline, I'm always more productive. And that's true going back to grade school. I would never get my term papers done until the night before they were due. So the idea of having a daily show on YouTube was to be accountable to my audience every single day. To force the hand, I had to make something today because that was the commitment I made to the audience. And when you do that, an amazing thing happens, which is you stop thinking and you're just focused on the act of creation. And I think that was probably the single most uh, sort of satisfying and the single most uh, impactful thing I learned making the vlog for 600 straight days or however long it lasted. When I was watching your video vlog, I noticed that many of your videos did not even have advertising in them. So you didn't even have pre-rolls or, or, or ads in them. Is, is that correct? Has had many yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't turn on pre-roll ads for a while because the business model of, of what I was doing prior to blogging was I would make the content I loved just for fun, just for shits and giggles, just because I loved making it. And I would put that on my YouTube channel, and then it would, it would gain popularity. And because of that, I would get opportunities to work in advertising. So companies like Nike and Google and Mercedes-Benz would call me and say, hey, we love what you're doing on YouTube. Will you make something like that for us? When, when was the time you recognized that it's not like an accidental call anymore from a company, but it's like they are rolling and more and more people are asking to, for, for cooperation? Um, I mean, the, the Nike 
engagement, which was three videos for Nike, that was a huge, huge tipping point. That was a video where you said you got a budget, you took the budget, and you went one around the world and spent the budget in a couple of days. Wasn't that one? Yeah, and it was it was it was very successful, yes. and Nike was super happy about it. But I think were they happy when they saw it, or were they happy when they saw the results? I mean, they were always happy when they see the results. It's yes. like you can cause a lot of trouble as long as you deliver in the end. <laughs> um, But I think with Nike, the reason why that was such a big turning point was, one, the videos we made were were content that we were really happy with and Nike was very happy with and they were received very well. But I think they proved the model that, you know, you can sort of trust, uh, you know, I'm someone who could be trusted. And with that, you know, like the next huge campaign I did after that was with Mercedes-Benz. And I think they were nervous because you don't have the kind of scrutiny you have when working with an ad agency. You don't have the kind of um, really implicit understanding and trajectory and, and knowing exactly what you're getting into before you get into it. Like it's, it's just mystery. It's a big fat question mark. But when you're able to point to something past success, um, I think it alleviates a lot of the concern on a client's end. So when, when Mercedes calls you up, did they call you directly and say, hey, Casey, it's Mercedes, it's Mr. Benz? Or do they, do they, did, did you at that point have a management or a multi-channel net, network? No, I've never worked with an MCN, but mm -hmm. it, it was, it was pr closer to the prior. It was closer to Mr. Mercedes, who is not a real person. Um, but it was closer to that. It was closer to a very high level. We love what you did there. We think we could do something interesting together. What would that look like? And I sort of pitched them on a big idea, and they were into it, and and. Then we just got to work. Are they interested in what your audience looks like? And when you log into YouTube, you can, of course, see my your demographics, where they're coming from. Can you tell us a little bit about us? Are most, are most of your subscribers American? Are they worldwide, male, yeah, I mean, female? Uh, at the time of Mercedes and Nike, that was not part of the equation. I only had a couple hundred thousand. I didn't have a big YouTube channel then. So it was the quality of the content that brands were getting excited about, not my reach. And then that sort of flipped in the last year. We're now, which is of course for a filmmaker a great compliment, right? That it flipped. No, no. So, I'm sorry, sorry. I was, I was. Uh, no, it's an, it's an insult. I, I now. had a leg. No, I, I had a leg. No, I mean like that. The that the companies were happy to work with you because of the content and not that, because of the size of. That's the exactly right. And now they don't give a shit what I make. They yeah. just want to be in front of this audience that yeah. I built. Um, I mean, it's not entirely true, but it's not that far off. But mm -hmm. you know, my audience now, it, it's, it's you know. I think it's just under 50% of it is in the States, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then sort of English-speaking countries. And then Germany is actually very high. Mm -hmm. I think it's in the top three or four. You have a lot of German – there's a lot of German vloggers who uh, are vlogging Casey style, like yeah. time lapses and this nice relaxing music where you have to tell me where you, where you keep on finding all this all these great pieces. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so so a huge part is in Germany. Do you have any idea just out of – top of your head like ballpark number like 100,000 subscribers from Germany 500 oh no it's more than that it's more it's more than that um, I don't know the exact yeah, yeah, okay. number but it's in okay. the hundreds of thousands wow. but uh, yeah you can see the exact demographics but you know even so the brands I work with now I don't know when or if I've ever been asked for those specific okay. metrics okay. they when a company is working with someone like me they care about the creative first last and and only they want to know that what we're going to be making together is worth their investment, um, that it represents their company, and that it's true to me. So, and by proxy, true to my audience. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to make a television commercial about baby diapers. I don't know how to make a tele. I don't know how to make an advertisement about kitty litter. Um, I oh, wouldn't baby know. Baby diapers, you would have some experience by, by now. But. I don't know. I still wouldn't know how to make an interesting right. video about them. Yeah. Um, 
But when it comes to the ideas that, you know, the companies that I work with, like Samsung, for example, and what they're trying to enable with their 360 cameras and, and what they can enable with their phones that shoot incredible 4K video, you know, it's, that's so close to me. It's an effortless uh, relationship because what they're trying to do and the message they're trying to share is exactly the same message that I share organically. So I, I think that is what is at the core of any healthy relationship with an individual creator like myself. Um, and that's easy to say. The really hard <laughs> thing, yeah, the really hard thing is sort of finding that marriage is if you're a company and you're looking to connect with somebody who has a strong audience to make meaningful creative, how do you find the right person for, for, to suit your needs? And I think that is the, that's the hardest question to answer. After one month, your videos, like one month after upload, your videos usually reach almost 50% of your subscribers in average. PewDiePie's videos only reach 7% of his subscribers after 30 days. There are many YouTubers with more subscribers, But only, but your subscribers are loyal AF. Do you think that has to do with how you decide what you you work about? Like you said a lot about how you can only work with a with a company if 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 the content comes natural to you. Do you think that's that's also the secret why you, your your subscribers are so sticky? Um, no, I mean I think the subscribers show up because of the intimacy that was the vlog. I think you build a really dynamic relationship with an audience, and they they know you, and when they know you, they trust you, and and they are there to show up and see what you have to say every single day. I think the risk then falls on my shoulders. You know, if I work with a brand that that doesn't align with my creative or my message, and I try to share that on my channel to my audience that is has this foundation of loyalty that they might reject it and be upset by it. Did you have any any negative feedback from from your from your community with some collaborations or some companies you work with? I mean when I was younger, when I was when I had a smaller channel, there would be times when I knew that the fit wasn't wasn't great. Um, I mean certainly that's the reason why I stopped making 30 second television mm -hmm. commercials, you know, seven years ago is I really felt like I was prostituting my creativity to make shitty 30-second commercials that I didn't care about creatively or from a messaging standpoint or anything else. It made me feel really lousy. Um, great paycheck, but it made me feel really lousy, and I didn't believe in the creative. So I think the magic now is always like, step one, do I believe in this? And if the answer is yes, then we move forward. Do you, <clears throat> do you spend a lot of time in your comment section? Are there any hardcore fans that you regularly find there like where you already have a kind of relationship with some some people that regularly comment with under your videos no i mean when i think comment section is really awesome until you reach kind of a critical mass in audience size and viewership and then it just becomes this mess and that's where i am now do you have like 10,000 subscribers comment section great 175,000 comment section bad 500,000 comment section Comment section very bad. Is that is there like some sort of a number or? I, I don't know. It's just it's just the way that the and I've talked to YouTube about this, but the mm -hmm. comment section is probably the weakest part of YouTube as a whole. Mm -hmm. It sort of promotes sensational kind of negativity, and they do have some fantastic tools for creators like me to, um, to sort of control what's shared there, but only to a degree. So no, I the comment section. I think is the greatest opportunity for, for what could be accomplished in the world of new media, the idea that people can interact and share their thoughts on something in real time. But the current iteration on YouTube is absolute garbage, where it's just people trying to advertise their own content 
um, or people mm-hmm. just sharing negativity, mm-hmm. or people just trying to sort of juke the system mm-hmm. to drive audiences to their own channel. So it's it's no, I I love what the comment section represents. I hate uh, what it actually manifests as. So so later I have this question where I ask you if you were CEO of YouTube for a day. So I guess right now I already got my answer. You would improve the comment section, or is there anything else you would do? I mean, I'm I'm very close to a lot of the executive leadership at YouTube, and they're great, very smart, incredibly capable individuals. But the feedback I always give them has to do with the YouTube community. I think what makes YouTube unique to every other social network and every other social platform is the community there is stronger than anywhere else. You, uh, you, you said on the stage the um, um, YouTube is so far ahead when it comes to online video because the time spent on the platform is just so much higher and the connection between um, the audience and the creator is just so much tighter because of the of the um, um, because of, of, of the of the format is that is this also a reason why you would say um, for companies YouTube is a very important channel they should do more with I mean the short answer is yes the longer answer is I have no idea I have no idea because I have no idea how I think YouTube is uh, the holy grail of social media for both the creator and the viewer. But um, I think how brands take advantage of that is something that's still wildly undetermined. And I wouldn't even know of a single brand that I could point to that really is doing amazing things on YouTube because there's been a, uh, there have been a lot of tremendous successes in the advertising space on YouTube. But there isn't a single brand that just keeps knocking it out of the park day in and day out the way that any number of creatives do. GoPro? I mean, GoPro maybe, but even so, if it's, it's, it's people don't have a relationship with that content, mm-hmm. it's it's it does do good, solid viewership, but it's not tremendous. It's not Lego. Lego has 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 many many. I think one hundred plus million views every month for for all their uh, small little figurines. But I guess it's mostly little children who fall sure. Asleep. But look, that's effective. That means that they're yeah. building an audience with they're building a relationship with their audience that that's effective. But um. I think it's challenging. I think yeah. that people, when they subscribe to something on YouTube, they're typically distri- subscribing to a person. All right. So the idea that they're going to subscribe to a brand... Look, even the New York Times. The New York Times, I think, has less than 2 million YouTube subscribers, which is a lot. But they're the New York Times. Mm-hmm. They're the world, the paper of record. And it's free to subscribe. So you would think that they have a tremendous... Vanity Fair magazine, the biggest celebrity magazine in the world. Um, they have a couple hundred thousand subscribers. They do very limited views. In your videos, you regularly talk to the community and say, subscribe to my channel. Do you think that is this little this little thing can make a difference between getting one subscriber out of 100 views or seven subscribers out of 100 views? What, saying subscribe yeah, to my channel? Yeah, like, I, no, I don't think it makes any difference. Okay. Um, I mean, I've stopped trying to convince people to subscribe to your channel. I just don't think it's impactful. Okay. I think it's one of those things that people are going to do it or they're not going to do it. Okay. Do you use the the audience that you build for other businesses that you're involved with? Do you have any other businesses you're involved with? I mean, yeah. Look, I I I when I launched my technology company, I was launching a product that I thought my online my YouTube community would really be interested in. And the new company I'm building right now, uh, I think that my audience, I hope that my audience is interested in it. I think they will be. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm building a news vertical you know, under CNN. So, you know, we operate out of a different building and we do whatever we want. And we've got total agency from an editorial standpoint and a creative standpoint to, to do and make whatever we want. 
Um, and what we're going to do is we're just going to tackle news. Not New York located. Uh, yeah, for now, mm -hmm. for now. Um, but we want to, you know, we want to open, we want to have perspectives that are wildly varied. So in order to do that, we have to have people from different parts of the world than just New York City. Is, um, is, is CNN interested in becoming and getting more um, viewers on YouTube or are they just interested in, interested in digital video independent of the platform? I mean, I don't know because, I mean, we're not a part of that apparatus. We are an extension of CNN, but we're not CNN. Right. If we succeed, it doesn't mean that CNN's succeeding any better. It means that, you know, Turner, the parent company is or things like that. But when I say we operate with autonomy, I mean, you know, the, the name CNN, the brand of CNN is not really, uh, that stamp is not anything that we touch. Who is we? I, is it a tech, technology driven? Yeah, I mean, this is, so it's, the company is largely tech driven, but it's we're building out a media side that's also very powerful with some very smart, incredibly capable individuals. Um, but the ultimate version of this company is that is it, it is a tech and media company where the media component is making fantastic content that people want to see. And then the tech component is figuring out new ways to disseminate that content. Any ETA on when you're going to be live or is that... I mean, we've, I don't even know what live means, but we're like going to be making content right away. Like we're, right. we're going to be posting content soon, but... Um, You know, it's, it's going to, we want that company to grow the way a piece of software would grow or the way a YouTube channel will grow, which is like, if people like stuff, we're going to keep doing that. And if they don't like it, we're going to stop doing that. But there's never going to be sort of a tear away the curtain kind of thing. And here we are. Um, that's not how we're launching. That's not how we're going to build a company. I can imagine that they are also interested in your storytelling abilities. How, how would you, if you had like, three bullet points on how to do a good storytelling via video is there anything that you can you, that you can tell or is it just so individually on in, it's so it's so it's so dependent on the topic um i mean i think that it's just respecting your audience is everything it's the most overlooked thing and i think it's the most important thing and it's really just trying to understand and appreciate will your audience engage with this kind of content um you know the idea has to start with you it has to be something you're convicted in believing you believe in But I think that people can get um, indulgent and veer from the course when they're making stuff because there isn't that kind of respect or understanding for the audience. When you when you do all the stuff that you currently do, and when when we watch the videos online, it it seems like from from the early morning to late at night, your 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 day is packed, and you you made a video about how you do your time management uh, um, in the in the vlogging time or something. Um, Where did you where did you where did you learn time management skills and also how where did you get the energy to keep your tight schedule? Um, well, first of all, I'm terrible at time management, so I run out of time every day, seven days a week. Um, but the energy thing, I don't know where it comes from. I just I a question I ask myself often is like, what's the other option? What's the alternative? And like right now, there's just so many things I want to do and so many things I want to make and so many things I want to see. And that's mirrored by just more opportunities than I've ever seen in my entire life. So the idea that I might take it easy or relax or sleep in or skip a day means to sort of brush away opportunity. There were times when you were not so lucky with opportunities, right? Yeah, and I remember that frustration. I mean, I, you know, I was when my first kid was born. We didn't. We had to get free milk and diapers from the state because we didn't have any money. We couldn't. How old were you when when Owen was born? Seventeen. Uh, Seventeen. Yeah, and like you know, we couldn't afford food, mm. and I would kill for any opportunity. 
So now there's, there's, you know, now I feel a sense of obligation and deep respect for all the opportunities that I'm, I see. And that respect, I think, manifests as a, you know, a 20-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week kind of work schedule to really make sure I'm firing on all cylinders at all times because I understand, um, as emphatically as I could express this, I understand that, that this is temporary, like this, this is not sustainable. Um, and I, I want to make sure I'm doing as much as I can while it's while the opportunity is there. But even if you say that you want to do as much as you can, um, you have so many videos where you say, hey, guys, I've got this great product. This is how it works. I'm so amazed by it. And you say in front of the video, I did not get paid to this to the to the to do this review. Um, is it is it does it does it hurt to do so much commercial for for companies and they just say oh, that was free advertising? Um, no, I mean I also have a you know a video where I'm putting my axe through a camera. It's a piece of shit and it stopped recording on me. And I have uh, you know videos where I I'm very honest with my audience. And you know when Nike makes an incredible product that is sort of the foundation of what could enable people who don't have motor functions in their hands to have the sense of dignity that is being able to tie their own shoes because they created technology like. I'm friends with the designer. I'm friends with the people who made those. They're wonderful people that did something that I think could could help change the world. So, of course, I'm going to share that with my audience. I, I don't need to be paid for that. They didn't ask me to do it. Um, I love being able to share that. And I also, like, happen to be in an incredibly unique and lucky, fortunate position to have experiences that most people don't have. So when I get, like, a free upgrade to a crazy airplane seat um, – The idea that I could just sleep and enjoy that versus sharing like how crazy it was to get served caviar and take a shower on an airplane. Um, no, I see that as opportunity. Nike shares with me this incredible technology. They make that's an opportunity to share that with my audience. Like Emirates Airlines, I get to fly first class. Like that was crazy. I, I didn't pay for that ticket. It was for work. Somebody else bought it for me. And of course I want to share that. So if it ends up promoting somebody else's business, then then great. It's, everybody wins. But I don't. Um, the idea that I might not do something because I'm not getting paid for it is is really counter to everything that I stand for. What did you do with the self lacing shoes? Um, I mean, I gave them away. You I gave them away. I gave them. I you gave found them. someone who uh, who cannot tie his his shoes on his own. Yeah, I, I actually found him through the YouTube community. He's a guy named Dustin. He lives in Florida, and he has he's a he's a public school teacher. He teaches history school uh, history to high school students, and he has a I think it's C five C six spinal fracture, which means he has really limited mobility in his hands. He can't control his fingers at all. And he, you know, he's in a wheelchair and he typically just slides his foot into an untied shoe. Um, so, yeah, it was very, I don't need self-lacing shoes. Um, so I, I sent him those shoes and he's a, he made a really funny video where he thanked me and showed me how they work. And it was, it was great. And I think that really underscores what it is that I love about the YouTube community is that it enables relationships with people you might otherwise never meet. You mentioned his channel in your in your video and a couple of hours after he published the video he had hundreds of thousands of views on his on his video so just uh, just the pure mentioning by you can increase viewership subscribers subscribership a lot well, i wouldn't have done it if i didn't think he made yeah. a really interesting video which he did you did something interesting with uh, samsung last week or something uh, you 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 did a commercial with them that aired where Yeah, so it was a it was a one minute long um, television commercial that aired during the Academy Awards. 
So it was, I think the viewership was 30 or 40 million viewers. Um, so it was a very exciting, interesting uh, engagement and opportunity, but certainly unlike anything I'd done before. And with a huge production value behind it. Yeah, I mean, we shot that commercial on 35 millimeter film on celluloid with the best production team that that Samsung's money could buy. But, you know, the, I think the magic of that and the reason why I did that is, you know, there was, we weren't promoting or selling a product. Um, it was about a message. You know, it was about this idea of doing the impossible. Um, and more importantly, you know, like I, I had a huge hand in writing that spot. Um, I wanted to make that spot a celebration of people who make videos on their cell phones and make videos of their kids and make kids making videos because they love doing it. Um, and the idea of having that play or celebrating the individual creator um, during the Academy Awards where they're celebrating the most formal traditional means of storytelling, I wanted to sort of give a nod to everybody who might feel insecure because they only have a cell phone. Um, and Samsung was tremendous in enabling that to happen. Uh, so that was, that was very exciting. Are the Academy Awards platform diverse enough? Uh, who knows? Probably not. But I think that that only underscores the reason for making a commercial like that even more so. All right. Understood. Right. So at the end, a uh, quick lightning round. Sure. Where, uh, very quick. And I'm not very, one, I'm one not very quick. I'm very verbose. But Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Dog or cat? Dog. Sports car or off-road? Uh, off-road. Beach holiday or hiking? Beach. Oh. Elegant or functional clothing? Functional. Glass of wine or joint? Uh, you know, I'm not really much of a drinker or a pot smoker. I'd rather go for a run. Oh, man. Adobe Premiere or Final Cut? Final Cut, but I don't love it. <laughs> what, what do you miss most when you're on the road? Uh, my family. What do you miss most when you're at home? Um, the road. <laughs> Anything you want to add? No, I think that we, we crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. Right. Casey, thank you so much and have a great time in Hamburg. And yeah, this is fantastic. Buzz.